welcome. Thank you for joining us here at AmazingLove.org. And, uh, you know, it's been a dream of mine to reach people all across the world with a message of Jesus and his love. And so whether you're joining us from near or far, so glad that you're here. And we'd love to hear what God is doing in your life. So if he's blessed you by this ministry, please email us at impactatamazinglove at gmail.com. If you'd like to support this ministry and make sermons like this possible every week ongoing, please go to amazinglove.org and go to our giving tab. But now may God bless you. May he guide you. May he speak into your life and direct you all through the power of his love. Thank you. to celebrate. Good to see you. Good to see you. Welcome. I want to talk a little bit about children without rules. Children without rules. That's my big idea. Children without rules. First of all, teenagers. Got any teens in the building? I don't know. Teens. Uh, I want to know if this is your experience. Do parents ever go to a teenager and say, hey, uh, here's my credit card. You go to the mall, get whatever pleases you. You know, if it's cool or hip, you just, you know, money's no object. Here's the credit card. Fare thee well. Or how about this, teens, uh, it's Friday, school's out. Do your parents ever come up to you and say, I know it's Friday, it's the weekend, I just want you to know, here are the rules for the weekend. Whatevs. You know, if there's a party, go to the party. Um, there's school on Monday again, you don't have to come in for curfew, you don't have to check in with me, you just, you just have your merry way and you do what you want. Now, is this reality for most teens? No! Let's make it more ridiculous. I have a first and fourth grader, you know, so they're not very dependent of themselves yet. And uh, we really like going to Chicago. I got a picture of the bean, you know, cloud, oh yeah, it's great. And, and am I ever going to go into Chicago and, and drive them there and be like, hey, uh, Nadia and Bella, you just have fun today. Uh, you call me when you want me to pick you up, and uh, you just kind of roam around and, and have a ball, you know, because there are no rules. It's a free-for-all. Some of you are thinking, like, that's not even a funny illustration, you know, and there's D DCFS and this, what are you even doing? And uh, be because the reality is we put rules in place, don't we? In fact, we have sleepovers going on. Anyone sleepover families? Uh, we're just starting the sleepover thing, and it's really cool. I like sleepovers. But there's part of me as a parent that would like a lot of, like, things to be known before the sleepover happens. You know, like, uh, I don't say this, but internally, like, uh, you know, if I could get, like, a floor plan of your house, you know, that'd be great, you know, and, uh, and maybe, uh, do, do you have birth certificates? Is that too much to ask? And a liability waiver, would that be okay? Because that's the world I live in, you know, is, is you set rules, you know, to, to keep kids in bounds. Toddlers, it's even more the case, right? 
you got a toddler, you get one of those rope backpacks, you know, because then you're really in control. Or, or get a padded place with walls, you know, so they just, even if they hit the wall, it's padded, you know. And, and so we know what it is to set boundaries. And, and I believe this is part of why we do it. Because we know that a free-for-all breeds chaos. Isn't that true? When there are no rules, a free-for-all breeds chaos. And let me give you one example. You check them in, you get the stamp, and then you empower them to do whatever, right? And I used to be a camp counselor. We sent like 30 kids at a time into that place, and it's awful, right? Let's be honest. You know, when we give kids no rules and just go wherever and here's some money, gold coins, it's just crazy, right? You know, or maybe it's those designated play areas, and, and, and the only rule they have is no shoes, but they should have like 20 others, right? You know, because there's always the kid hanging on the thing that you're not supposed to hang on, there's always the kid running up the slide, and the slide isn't to run up, you know, right? And, and we know that. I was trying to consider some free-for-all as an adult, and, and this is the, the closest I came in my thought process. Um, may, maybe a hotel? Because that hotel, you can go with me here, you know, like uh, if my spouse has rules of cleanliness, they don't apply there, do they? I can eat in bed, and I'm not going to make the bed. I'm going to keep the towel on the floor, and, and I'm going I'm to, you know, jump if I want to jump and dance if I want to dance and wear clothes or not wear clothes. I don't care. I'm in a hotel room, baby. You know, the rules don't apply. Right. And all of this would be okay. There's nothing wrong with a little bit of chaos except for what free-for-all ultimately leads to, which is this. Free-for-alls breed pain. You ever had a, a toddler or a child run full bore and kind of out of control? The, the, the toddler's just sprinting, like maybe through Chuck E. Cheese, and then just collide into the other one? You ever see that? Yeah, it's because there was no rules. Or it's the kid who's climbing up the slide, and then there's another kid coming down the slide. Guess, you know, what happens there? Boom, right? On a more serious level, when you take a look at um, governments, when, when there's a free-for-all going on and there are no rules in place or at least no rules being enforced, it's a bad place to live and people get hurt. This past week I saw a documentary about uh, cartels in Mexico and this was intriguing for me because I grew up in El Paso, Texas and uh, we used to take people, whenever they visit, we go to Juarez. <laughs> go to Juarez and we buy bottles of Coke because that was cool, you know, back then. It's still cool now, bottles of Coke. And um, get uh, the glass blown, all those things. And, and now you see Juarez, and you don't want to go to Juarez. And, and what do I see just looking at what's going on in Mexico and the cartels? When, when, when people operate out of bounds at a free-for-all, others get hurt, right? Or when the government can't enforce the rules, people get hurt. Uh, I was talking to a world missionary. Uh, some of you know him. Um, uh, was a pastor at Zion for a while. And I'll, I'll never forget what he was talking about in Albania. In Albania, um, the, the government was so corrupt that when you got in a traffic violation, you didn't do the ticket thing, you just paid off the cop. You know, and uh, you know, it's just so corrupt, it was common to just pay him off and go from there. And uh, he was relating how in America, how great it is that, that we can rely in general on, on, a, on a strong police force. But uh, again, they're, they're bad eggs. But in general, you know, how great it is when rules are enforced. So what I believe... And the reason I bring all this up is that rules are good. Would you agree? Rules are good. 
And we want to talk about that a little bit today when it comes to living for Jesus. And so what are the rules and what do we do with the rules? And let me catch you up a little bit. We're in a series called Starting Point. And, um, and, and just a, a few things that we've considered, because these lessons are building, and you can go online and catch up a little bit. But in week one, in week one, we learned this. We, we, we're looking at the world with fresh eyes, and we say, God exists and God is love. In fact, uh, where's my penny? We, we took a look at the Sermon of the Stars and said that our solar system is a penny in the realm of the Milky Way galaxy, and uh, God is that big, and that's not only an extension of his bigness, but also his love. His love reaches to the galaxies. Then we wondered, is this love really for me? Can I really be included in God's love? Well, we learned that God calls sinners and so you actually have to be a sinner to be loved by God. If you're not a sinner, you won't need God. And so we said it was okay to be a sinner. It's okay because religion isn't about winning by following the rules. We can't follow the rules and then be saved. We have to be called by God as a sinner to be saved. We saw the calling of Matthew. Last week we wondered, how do I take the head knowledge and put it in my heart? We learned this, that God creates faith through the word. That as we stay around the word, we can't produce our own faith or, or get it in here, but we can stick around the word and that faith will be increased. Well, today, today's kind of a follow-up on this. Because in week two, we said, okay, so we don't have to follow the rules to be saved. So do we have no rules? Is, is, is the Christian life a free-for-all? Is the Christian life epitomized by like, dancing naked in a hotel room? I, that's what we want to talk about. And so the word of God, <laughs> not, not that appropriate illustration, but they, it's... Probably, it'll probably stick in your mind. Anyway, what does Galatians have to say then about the Christian lifestyle? Let's get into it. The Word of God adds clarity. Galatians chapter 5, I invite you to follow along with me. It says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use this freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Here's the game plan for the Christian life. We are free. And we are free to serve. May God bless our discussion. This past week, uh, there was a celebration in Chicago over uh, the 85 Bears team guys see that uh, William Refrigerator Perry, you know, a big dude, and uh, you got Mike Singletary, a Samurai Mike, and you got the coach, and you got the Jim McMahon, and every time, you know, I consider the 85 Bears, I have to think of this, right, you know, Super Bowl shuffle, and, and it's just me, but I think we should, like, make every Super Bowl team do a song, right, you know, I just think it'd be better. My experience would be enhanced anyway, um, and, and you consider what that gathering was, you know, there are probably stories about, you know, how great it was, and how dominating they were over the Patriots that year, and probably a lot of high-fiving and backslapping, and like, weren't we great, and that's awesome. And I consider what the, the Bears did this past week, and do you know, that's what I believe every Sunday should be about in the church. I do. I believe that every time we get together, ultimately, we should be celebrating a victory. We should be celebrating as if there were a party in this place because of what it says in verse 1. Look at what verse 1 says again. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. You are made free today. Let's celebrate that freedom. 
And so before we go on into our lifestyle, I just want to celebrate a little bit. Can we celebrate a little bit? I need to first get my freedom down, you know, in order to get on what I need, you know. And so let's just celebrate a little bit. First thing I want to celebrate with you is freedom from punishment. Freedom today from punishment. Remember as a kid growing up, being grade school there, and if you're naughty in the classroom, the form of punishment was getting your name written on the board. Is that what they still do today? Anyone? No, no, different forms of punishment. That's, that's what I got. Your name was on the board, and you didn't want your name on the board. And um, I remember usually what happened when my name got on the board, and I don't know why I'm telling you this. I didn't even plan this in my notes, but I would cry. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty manly to cry. But I would cry, and here's why I would cry. It wasn't necessarily that I was in trouble by the teacher. It was that I knew it was coming. See, I had to go home, and I had to tell Mom and Dad what happened about it. And for me, sitting there as a kid, like, it couldn't come fast enough. I want to reconcile. Let's get it over with, you know, because I just am, I don't want to tell them what went on. You know what I'm saying? You know, I don't want to deal with the fact that I'm in trouble. And I'd rather have the justice then get it, rip the Band-Aid, please. You know, why, why doesn't Dad just come in, you know, see, tell Mom. Anyway, you know what I'm saying. I believe some of us can think this way about God. Some of you might be wondering, when God comes back and reconciles, I'm in trouble. When God comes back and makes all accounts due, I'm a little fearful for that. What you need to know is that you are free from that fear. You are free from the fear of when Dad comes back. All because of the cross. The cross says, I bore your punishment I took the full weight of the wrath, and now I have set you free because when dad comes back, he sees his child, the child who he loves, and the child who is spotless and watched clean. Let's progress the thought of freedom. We're free from guilt and from shame. We're free from guilt and from shame. You know, it's easy to wear bad earthly identities, Right? We, in fact, know some people who bear some bad earthly identities. Let me give you an example. What's Lindsay Lohan known for? Okay, the parent trap, but maybe partying in all the wrong ways. Not like we're partying today. Pete Rose. Known for being a good baseball player, but isn't he also known for gambling? And we relate to this because maybe there are some of us walking around and our sins are identifiable. Maybe they were in our past, maybe they're in our present, but people just know that when it comes to them, you got a label, you got an identity, you got something that you're dealing with, and it isn't so easy to carry. Maybe you are known as someone out of control. Maybe you are known as an adulterer, someone greedy, someone who is a gossiper. Um, maybe you tell yourselves some names because and, and you're wrestling with things. And, and so you give yourselves all these wrong identities wrapped up with guilt and shame. We're free from that. Paul was talking, and, and here's, here's the reason that we're free. Paul was talking to a group of Christians in a town called Corinth. And you need to know about the Christians in Corinth. It was not going well. Not, not, not from a holy standpoint. In fact, you read that book and, and you'd just be surprised. You'd be shocked. I mean, these people got drunk, not just on Friday, but at communion. Can you imagine that? Let's get drunk at communion. That's the city of Corinth. That's what they were doing there. These people were so sexually immoral that they thought incest was right. 
They were like, incest, yep, sounds good. We can do that, right? No. Um, These people were suing each other inside the church. These people were divided over the leadership. And so Paul writes about all these things, and the major reason he writes this letter is to try to clean things up. These are people dealing with some issues, not in the past, but in the present. And yet, and yet, look at how he addresses them. To the church of God in Corinth, you idolaters, you immoral people, you wicked sinners. No. You holy people. You holy people. For things they were currently dealing with. Not sins of the past, but sins of the present. He says, you holy people. How could he say that? Because when you are in Christ, you are holy today. Not tomorrow. Today. And every day. You wear that today and so you're free from any identity you would give yourself that wraps up with guilt and shame. You're free from any identity anyone else would give to you that has to do with guilt and shame. You are free to just be known as holy. And if you read the scripture, he actually calls you a saint. And if you're from a Catholic background, this just blows up your mainframe. But anyway, he actually says we are saints in God. That's how holy we are right now. We are saints, my friends. Free. Not done celebrating. What are we free from? We're free from death. Free from death. Um, Has your body told you lately that you're aging? I had a beard for a while, and it was a salt and pepper beard. A little more salt in there than I wanted. And it wasn't an eating problem. I'm talking about gray hair. You guys know that, right? Anyway, um, and so this is what happens with our bodies. And every now and then we just get convinced that my body, wow, it's not lasting forever, is it? No. In fact, we talk about people having a prime of life. And what we don't want to be real with then is that there's also a, a balance of a non-prime of life, which you may or may not be into. Um, and so all of these thoughts go to the fact that our bodies are decaying. There is a timeline for how long we're here. And when it comes to what's ultimately an inescapable, you do not have to fear the end. That when you're in Christ, the end is just a signal of a much grander beginning because of a victorious and risen Jesus Christ, because of a a, a power over death, because we too will rise when we're done. We don't have to fear death. Paul would even say we can eagerly await that existence. We eagerly await it. Because there's no more pain or body decay or sadness or any of the things that plague us here. You're free from death. Last thing you're free from. Free from the devil. Do you know you're at war? You're at war over your soul every day that you live. And the devil would love nothing more than to separate you from God eternally. Love nothing more than to get you removed from him so that you wouldn't know about peace. Yet we have one who is in us that is greater than the one who is in the world. Recently, I was listening to a pastor talk about this. And so often we talk about being on the defensive against God. And we have a women's Bible study called the armor of God. And, you know, so we talk about the defense and, and what we can do. This pastor is actually talking about how we can go on the offense. He was referring to Isaiah chapter 49 where he said, He made my mouth like a sharpened sword. And that when Christians use the word of God, They can fight back the devil. As Luther would say, one little word can fell him, can make him fall. So we can actually be on the offensive against God. 
And so maybe this isn't new news for you, but it is reason to celebrate. I invite you to celebrate that you are free from punishment, free from guilt and shame, free from death and free from the devil, all because of Jesus Christ who set us free. And if this is your first time joining us, this is the reason we gathered. This is the message we build the church around Jesus, our Savior, the one who set us free. But I haven't answered the question, have I? If we are free in Christ, are we free from the rules? Some, some may pose it this way. If I'm not saved by following the rules, do the rules still apply? And to talk about that a little bit more, getting back into that subject, I'll bring out my wallet. And I don't know what's in your wallet, but in my wallet I got a lot of cards. Got any cards in your wallet? I don't know what you know about cards, but cards for me give me access. Take this card, for example. This gives me access to buy in bulk and to go to a cafeteria with awesome churros and to get a hot dog for a dollar and to feed the whole family for under $10 if we eat at the calf. And this card is a privilege. Got another card in here. This is my I can get sick card. This is my I might have to pay a deductible or a copay, but at least I can get sick. It's good to have this card. Remember getting this card. You guys forget, but uh, this means I can drive a car card. It can be a really fast car with stick shift. Pretty awesome. Or it can be a really fuel-efficient car, you know, uh, save on the gas. Yeah, that's not bad either. An awesome minivan, you know, all these things. I think sometimes Christians look at a different card. Yo, I'm, not in, I'm in Christ, so if I'm not saved by the rules, I got this card, don't I? I got a grace card. I got a grace card. And this is how it works, right, Pastor? See, the grace card says that, you know, I can party and I can get drunk and I don't have to worry about anything because I got the grace card, right? You know, Pastor, isn't that great? Grace card, you know? And it means I can just speak my mind. You know, I don't care what other people think. They're just going to know what I say or about whoever. And, and I can speak my mind and not feel bad. You know why, Pastor? Grace card. And, and Pastor, maybe this means that I don't need any boundaries over my sexuality, you know, any boundaries over lust or any boundaries over anything that, because regardless of what happens, grace card. Is that what we come to consider today? Let's look at verse 13. Verse 13. What does it say? Do I, do I got a grace card, God? Let me know. You and my brothers were called to be free, but do not use this freedom to indulge the flesh. More clarity. There's a, there's a passage we already considered from Romans. What is, Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? No way, Paul says strongly. And then later there would be in, in Jude, if we're still not clear on the matter, uh, this passage says they are ungodly people, the, the ones who pervert grace, grace card, into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ our only sovereign and Lord. My friends, we, we can't use the fullness of grace as a license for our sin. We can't today say, I can do whatevs because I'll be forgiven later. And if you're following in that track, I encourage you to repent of whatever that is. If there is something in your life that you know is wrong and God says it's wrong, God says, man, the grace card wasn't for that. Repent and turn to me. 
Because he has rules, doesn't he? The rules still apply. The rules still apply, but the motivation has changed. You know, we might uh, operate under the same system of rules, do the same things, but we do it differently. Kind of reminds me of working out. I remember working out as a grade schooler, and all I wanted to be was big. So I would work out from the motivation, I can't wait till I'm big and muscular. And now I work out, and guess what I want to be? Small. And so I'm doing the same thing, but a totally different motivation. You know, big, small, big, small. Small, please. Anyway, um, but I don't know how you do it. And, and so I'm talking about doing the same thing with a different motivation. You might at one time say, I'm going to follow the rules to be saved. I hope you know you can be done with that whole mentality today. Today's the day you say, I stopped that. I can't do that anymore. But you flip to this side and you're doing the same things. Do the same things. Love people. Serve God. But do it out of thankfulness. Same activity, different motivation. Do it because you thank Jesus that he saved you. And so what are the rules? What are the rules? Okay, my motivation, I got it down. What are the rules? End of verse 13. It says, so then do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. And so if we are free, you know what I see we're free for? For all. That was my big moment. Did you see what I did there? I was talking about free for alls, and I was free for all. And what do I mean by all? I mean all the people around you, right? That's what God is saying. You are free for all your family members who need an example of what Jesus' love looks like. You are free for all your classmates who need to know what Christianity is all about. You are free for all your coworkers who haven't heard of Jesus and don't know the peace and truth and the victory that we have. You are free for all the people God has put around you in your neighborhood, in your life. You are free for all of them to take the freedom that you have to serve them in love. You are free for all. And then he goes on and he makes it so beautifully clear, simple, and yet incredibly good. He says in verse 14, and so get this, the entire law is fulfilled in keeping the one command, love your neighbor as yourself. So when it comes to the, the directions of God, what it is to be a Christian, okay, pastor, I want to know the rules of Christianity. There's one, love. And some of you might be thinking, but pastor, the Bible seems a lot bigger than that. I thought there were more rules, you know. But, but no, he, he, so beautifully simple. He just says when you love people, you're following the rules. Love and you're good. And, and what's incredible is how simple this is. Like I have a, a ninja coffee maker with more directions than, than Christianity. And I have, you know, Ikea furniture. Don't even get me started on how many directions there are there, right? You know what I'm saying. But when it comes to God, he's so beautifully wise. It, it makes it simple. He said, just, just love people and, and you'll be good. That's how simple it is. So let's test this out again. Okay, let, let's test it with uh, the Ten Commandments. Is, is love a part of that? Well, one of the commands I know is honor your father and mother. If I honor those who are in authority, who want to help me, who love me, would that be showing love? I think so. God even says it'll go well with you. What about this? You shall not murder. I know that's a law. Well, is, is not murdering someone an extension of love? I think so. That's pretty obvious. One. Hello. Uh, what about uh, you shall not commit adultery? Is it love not to use someone else for your own sexual pleasure? I think so. Um, what about not stealing? Was it love to protect their property and not take it unjust? I think so. What about not gossiping? Okay, is it love to not give them a bad? I think so. No, not coveting. That's not envying. I think that's love not to envy 
Do you see how that all fleshes out? He's so brilliant. He just says, love people, and he got the whole commands all covered if you just would love. And then this is incredibly good. It's not just simple. It's so good. Have you realized that when we love like Jesus, it hurts no one? There's this rock song. It's kind of dreary and sad. It goes, love hurts sometimes. And what they need to know when they're singing it, they're not singing about God's love, are they? No, they're singing about the guy who cheated or did whatever and wasn't nice and kind. That isn't the love we're talking about. Rather, when you're loving the way God wants you to love, you hurt no one. Parents, you know this. Do the kids ever call from the other room and be like, Mom, my brother's being too nice to me. He's like sharing all the time. You, you ever chat with your girlfriends and one girlfriend says, you know, my husband, I don't, I'm so infuriated. I mean, he is just speaking my love language and I don't know how much I can take it. You know, he's just all the time exactly what I need and it just, ugh. You know, or, or, you know, I consider, has, has love and loving a group of people ever, ever led to hurting them? This past week, there was uh, the remembrance of the, the Holocaust and, and what happened to six million Jews. And, um, and, and so we look at that and, and we said, now, if that group was, if they were loved, like God tells us to love, as, as, as one, of, one of us, as, as they were loved as, as you love yourself, would, would that have ever happened? Would we ever look at any group of people and say they were less than or not worthy of? Not the love I see in the Bible. Not the love that God is directing us to do today. And so, man, he's so good. Because, this is what I find, when we're free for all, you actually protect people. Do you know that? That's how good God is. His rules are about the protection of every person. He wants you to be protected so that no one does this against you. He wants others to be protected so that you don't do it against them because he's not for pain. He's not for hurting unduly. That's a good God. It's a good God and good rules. You're free to protect people by the way you love them. So take it home. Take it home. Who is it Christ made you free for? Think about it. Who is it in your life? Maybe it's kids. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's neighbors. Maybe it's extended relatives. Maybe it's someone you know is hurting. Who is it Christ made you free for? Maybe for some of this, this is so striking, especially if you're new to Christ. Maybe it's so striking because the world radically lives for me. And maybe you can't even answer this question because you don't have eyes to see those around you yet. So maybe your starting point is start getting some eyes to see the needs that are around you because they're there. They're there. Who is it that you are now going to be free to serve? And then for our mission church. Man, I dream of people coming here and meeting Jesus. I'm excited because people are doing that. And I want it more and more and more till the day I die. How would free-for-all affect us? Paul gave us the paradigm. Look at Paul's paradigm. Though I am free and I belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. 
If you're in Christ and if you're a member here and you want to reach the lost, if you want fuel on how to do this, you continue to ask, how can I use my freedom so that they might know him? How can I use my freedom so that they might know him? How can I use my freedom so that they might know him? And that's a worthy goal. Paul followed this paradigm and and I don't know if you saw it, but I think God blessed it. Let's be about that. You are free for all, my friends. May God so bless you, and let me now pray for you to give you strength to do this. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as I come before you, I realize that so often I'm radically pursuing my, my own ends. What's good for me, how it works for me, what's best for me. And at times this even leads me to using grace as a license to get what I want and do what I want. Would you forgive me? And now would you open my eyes to see the opportunities I have for those who are hurting and who need help around me and and make an impact. Let my actions mean something as they see your love and what I do. May they finally come to know your greater love. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand.